Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today we will be talking about the Jewish fall feasts and festivals. Yes, and we have a special guest today. We want to welcome one of our amazing Bible study leaders that has the most beautiful heart. And her name is Rhonda Simon. Welcome, Rhonda. Hello. Hey. <laughs> and we want to wel- welcome you with a scripture this morning. Our scripture for today is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Yay, Rhonda, we're excited to have you here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I can. Well, I was born in Manhattan, New York, and raised in Miami Beach, Florida, and have lived in Texas for the past 28 years. I've been married to my wonderful husband, David, for 33 years this past July. Wow, that's awesome. And we have two children, our son, Anthony, who is 36, and our daughter, Christina, who is 30. My daughter and son-in-love, Chad, made me a Gigi to three amazing grandchildren, three-and-a-half-year-old twin boys and an amazing, adorable eight-month-old girl with a grandbaby on the way. Oh, wow. so sweet. I love (laughs) it. You know, and if you listen to last last week's episode, we had Lorna Hamm on as our guest. Lorna is our wonderful Bible study teacher. And this is a quick reminder that if you want to join our Bible study, it's not too late. You just need to sign up. For the MeWe app, search for Awaken to Live, and the two in that is a a numeral, number two, and request to join. And if you have any issues, you can send us an email inquiry to puretruthpodcast, the number three, at gmail.com. And before we get started, Rhonda, can you tell us how you know Lorna? Well, Lorna and I met through our children, Christina and Chad, um, over eight years ago. And they met at a young adults night at our church and became husband and wife two years later. Now, our relationship, Lauren and my relationship as friends, has just grown immensely. And our family, you know, just the way that we do life together is yeah. is, is just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. We even have a little thing that we call ourselves a family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's just everything that, you know, two praying mamas would ask for. And the God, you know, that God just gave us exactly what we asked for, for mm-hmm. us to have two children that love each other and that follow the Lord and for our families to be able to do life together. Yeah. yeah. There's such a, that's a unity. I right. just keep seeing unity. And I right. love yeah. the whole f- family thing. Because, family. you know, <laughs> your so family, you don't get to choose. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but your friends, you do. Right. So exactly. those are the best ones. Good combo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just really funny because sometimes when I'm talking to, you know, talking to people and, I, and I'm saying, yeah, I'm doing stuff with my, you know, my son and love's mom or um, the family's going out together. We're going on vacation together. And I always get head tilts. Like, yeah. You know, really? you do stuff with your in-laws and you get along. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that's, that's so what cool. we prayed for. And God honored it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Answered prayers. So tell us a little bit more about your church background and your spiritual journey. Well, I was raised Catholic. Um, my parents didn't go to church, but I remember my dad dropping me off on Saturdays for catechism where um, we would learn, you know, traditional things about the apostles, you know, how to say our prayers like the Our Father, Hail Mary, the act of contrition before confession. Um, and then, you know, after I was baptized, did my first Holy Communion and then completed my confirmation. It was a very rare occasion that we ever went to church. Yeah. And as I got older, 
um, and made, you know, some of my own life choices, of course, not all of them good. I became hungrier for the Lord and what, you know, what I thought was the Lord in some cases. You know, I searched for him in lots of places, which um, was only a detour. And um, and then my husband David got a job in Texas. Thank the Lord for that. Right. Um, and the Lord placed placed us in a home just up the street from this amazing sister named Yolanda, who um, invited me to a Pentecostal church and my very first Bethmore Bible study, where for the first time I physically opened the Bible and read more than a verse at a time. Wow. And it was just, you know, an amazing experience for me because, you know, in the Catholic Church, you just kind of read what they're you've, you're given on that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you're really, at least for me, I wasn't, didn't feel like I was encouraged to go and open my Bible. It was more of, this is what we say, and just mm-hmm. kind of, well, do you think it? that was more from your like just because of your Catholic experience, or you just never opened the Bible? Like, I it just was never something I don't remember taught. being in catechism and them saying, "Here, go home and take your Bible home and right. open it and read it." It was <laughs> now I want you to memorize the names of the apostles. I want you to memorize okay. you know the Our Father and memorize mm-hmm. the all Hail the Mary and the act all the prayers mm-hmm. because that was the thing that you would be required to do when you once you went into the confessional and you right had to, you know, confess mm-hmm. your sins. Because typically when you went to church, did you just get a piece of paper and you read what was right. on the paper? Right, there was a, um, just like a little, like a little mini booklet that would right. be there. Right, Yes. And it would be in the, you know, in the pew, and that mm-hmm. would be what you would read, and you would right. read from the hymnal, you know, sing from the hymnal, and right. that was, that was pretty much it. Wow. So this experience where I went to the Pentecostal church, it was amazing because I, you know, the worship was stand up and raise your hands yes. and you a lot know, more active. Active and speak unto Jumping the Lord. Like, you know, sing unto the Lord. And yeah. it opened was it literally opened up a place in me that had, I think, been dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, because yeah, we you know we sing all the secular music that they you know that we listen to and we can sing that till, you know, like we have no th- voice left right but this was different Mm -hmm. this was like wow this is like this is really filling my spirit this is really getting to a place that i didn't even know needed to be filled Mm -hmm. so it was you know a very interesting Mm -hmm. experience for me yeah Yeah. wow yeah yeah i can relate because i was raised catholic too Rhonda. and so let me ask you what would you like to share about our awakened bible study so when i met lorna she shared Um, that she was part of a Bible study that she taught. So at the time, I was teaching at a private preschool um, where I taught for 19 years. And like most teachers, I had the summers off, so, you know, I was able to attend. And I was absolutely blown away by what I was hearing come alive from the scriptures and the relationship that God wants with us, you know, our identity in Him and the authority He wants us to to walk through Him. That's good, yeah. Has the has the Awakened Bible Study influenced or changed your life in any way? Yes, very much so. I lead a women's group at my church called Mending the Soul, which is a biblical-based program where I help um, these amazing warriors walk out their healing from the five abuses and traumas, um, which are you know verbal, physical, sexual, spiritual, and neglect. And from what I've learned at Awaken Bible Study, I've integrated into my groups the the truth about who God says we are with spiritual I am statements, 
you know, teaching and speaking the authority that he has called us into, you know, taking the authority over the atmosphere because the enemy doesn't want the brokenness brokenness in us healed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, um, and showing them how to change their even their vernacular and how they speak about themselves or others. So the power of your words can bring life or death, but because life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat eat its fruit, Proverbs mm-hmm. 18, 21, yeah. I'm trying wow. to change the fruit that's coming out of them, oh, right? right? So that they are that's a blessing. being fed with something good mm-hmm. yeah. and not something evil. Right. So, right. and it's absolutely amazing to see the the transformation of these, these ladies as God unpacks all the areas the enemy has tried to keep them in bondage. You know, true freedom is his gift but learning how to stay free right. by walking in his authority, that's mm-hmm. priceless. Mm-hmm. And all of these things and more have been downloaded by Holy Spirit to Lorna and brought to life at our Awakened Bible Study, where she is equipping the saints or the ecclesia, the church. Right. That's yes. good. I didn't even know you did that. I had no idea that that was your, that you led a, mm-hmm. that group. I've probably done it for eight times. I try to just do it once a year because it's very heavy. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a, that's awesome. So this woman's group that you lead, can you tell us where the church is and how they can find out more information if someone's interested in joining this group? Definitely. Good. So while I attend Gateway Church at its North Fort Worth campus, um, the main campus is in South Lake, Texas, and has several satellite campuses like the North Fort Worth campus. Gateway offers Mending the Soul groups for both men and women twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. And you can go to gatewaypeople.com, search for the care request form, fill it out, making sure that you are checking off the closest campus location to you, and a gateway pastor or assistant will contact you and send you an email application to fill out. Now, if your listeners are not in Texas, then they can go to mendingthesoul.org and either find a church in their area that supports this group or they can find a group through the website where they can possibly meet a person, meet in person or through Zoom. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So can you share with us how you've come to know so much about the Jewish feasts and festivals? Yes. Well, uh, my husband, David, he is a Jewish believer and a volunteer pastor at Gateway Church for the North Fort Worth campus, where he teaches Jewish roots and connects all the dots from the Torah to the New Testament. Now, he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior 11 years ago, and as he connected his Jewish roots with other Jewish believers, the Bible and its truth just came alive. Mm, wow. Um, he, you know, we celebrated you know, Hanukkah and Christmas and Easter for 28 years in a secular way, but the past 11 years, we've celebrated Passover, the birth of Christ, Resurrection Day, and the feasts with a different understanding and heart change. So once again, connecting all the dots. And, you know, we also go on several trips. I've been on several trips, actually, with our church to Israel, where we have visited with many believers, both Jew and Gentile, as well as Holocaust survivors. We've broken bread with them in their homes, um, with their families, and even celebrated Passover together. It is an absolute beautiful thing to see the feast come alive in the homeland of Israel. Mm. Well, can you share some details of your trip? Like give us some examples of things that you did? Sure. So um, some of the things that we did, first of all, it was part touring and then part ministry. 
Um, okay. So we would go to all of the places where Jesus had been, uh-huh. walked the places where go. Jesus had walked, mm-hmm. and just just literally seeing the Jewish people live out all of these feasts. You know, watching Passover wow. um, through the Jew, you know Jewish believers' eyes in their homes, or walking around on the streets during Shabbat, where literally the it, the town it just shuts down. Yeah, like there are no cars driving around; it shuts down, wow. and people are just walking around and they're walking to their homes, and you have different you know friends and family walking with you know food to go to you know the the homes that they're going to be celebrating Shabbat in and as you're walking down these really quiet streets because now everybody's in their homes you could hear like the laughter of the families wow. and in the, the children in the homes and it's mm-hmm. it, it's such peaceful. a beautiful like a peaceful, peaceful joyful. time because you know Shabbat is supposed to be it's a time of rest right mm-hmm. and they're coming together to be able to do that to rest to commune with one another mm-hmm. which is what he wants for us right right and it's a commandment mm-hmm. for us to take a time of rest right so for us like Shabbat doesn't have to be on a Friday it could be whatever day we choose because we don't have to be legalistic about it. Right, right. right. The but point he wants is to take a rest to take every seven days mm-hmm. and spend time with him to commune with our family, not just in it's time to do homework, it's time to go to work, it's right. time to do laundry, it's time to make dinner, mm-hmm. but yeah. to actually just be as a family. That's so good because, you know, we just don't have that many families like that. And the Jewish community or the Hebrew, you know, mindset is to bring the family together. To have that togetherness, right. the time together, and nurture the family. Yeah. Right. We've lost that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have. Can you imagine mm-hmm. our country, just or any city, completely shutting down? That would be to honor a, yeah. a day of rest. Well, we used to, on Sundays, used to be a Sabbath day. And most right. stores and businesses I were remember. closed on Sundays. Right. Or they wouldn't you know? sell certain products on Sundays, mm-hmm. even when they did start opening it up. Mm-hmm. And it happened more, I think, in the South. You know, yeah. there was more of that I that remember took when place. I was a kid. Yeah, but I mean, I grew up up north, so that didn't really happen much. Yeah. Right. So my family was very, you don't do anything on Sunday. So it was just, we were like the complete opposite, you know? Yeah. So it was well, hard. Just, just imagine, <laughs> just imagine if we never had what we know now, if we were always doing it the way that God meant for us to do it, we mm-hmm. wouldn't even know what we know now. Right. right. And it would be peaceful, mm-hmm. and joyful. And there wouldn't be division and mm-hmm. all this other that wouldn't be such that a foreign with. that wouldn't be such a foreign idea. It wouldn't right. be such you know? a foreign idea. Mm-hmm. Wow. Correct. So Rhonda, I know your husband has shared his testimony before, and we would love to have him as a guest here to share that with us. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little background on his experience? Definitely. Um, so David grew up in White Plains, New York, with a secular upbringing. Um, they didn't attend temple, at least not when he was after he was born. <laughs> Um, he was tutored to go through his bar mitzvah at age 13 at a temple. His parents did celebrate the high holidays like Passover, Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah, and even Yom Kippur, but with no relationship with Abba Father or a deep understanding for what their true meanings were. So they just celebrated the holidays, they just, yeah. or the, the feast. Right. They just, they just celebrated them. They just didn't. celebrated them. Okay. Yeah. You, you guys were very similar because you were kind of raised the same way. You went went through catechism and all that stuff and right. your confirmation, and then you stopped going. Yeah, check the box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Parents, so you had similar had, backgrounds, different. Parents just had us check the box. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, this is a, here's your salvation card. Check, mm-hmm. check, check, check. Yeah. Done. Right. 
Right. <laughs> Got the essentials done. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right, right. So, like, you know, just like we were just saying, like, you know, they were just celebrating the holidays, just like mm-hmm. most Christians, you know, who celebrate the gift giving of Christmas and Santa, but no birth of Jesus. Right. Or cel- the celebration of Easter with the bunny, you know, bringing baskets and eggs, but no resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. And that goes with a lot of, you know, religions, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, David, for the most part, he lived in the world looking through the eyes of the world, like so many of us did at one time. Right. He had a great fear of death. I mean, just an an incredible fear of death. Like, Mm. there was nothing after this life, and he didn't know what to do with that. Oh, goodness. And um, But God had a bigger plan (laughs) that began the day that I released him and laid all my worries about his salvation at the Lord's feet. Now, the rest of that is his story. Mm-hmm. I'll let David share his full testimony when he joins you, ladies, as a guest on this Pure Truth podcast. Wow, that'll be, be awesome. amazing! Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into this Jewish, the Jewish fall feast and festivals. So, first, can you explain the difference between a Jew that believes that Jesus is the Messiah versus a Jew that doesn't? Definitely. So, a Jewish believer understands through the connection of Scripture and Holy Spirit awareness that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. In that, the Jewish believer doesn't lose his or her identity as a Jew, but has fulfilled their Jewishness. Where a Jewish non-believer struggles with the transition because they believe that they will no longer be Jewish, meaning they will become Christian or Catholic or fill in the blank. Right, yeah. yeah. And really the best way to love a Jewish non-believer is to love them where they're at to be an example of the Messiah's heart and show them the Jewish Jesus, you know, to show them the Jewish apostles who wrote the New Testament and pray and let God lead the way. And what a lot of people don't know is that most Jews are discouraged from, for generations, not to even mention Jesus's name. Mm-hmm. And in history, it's been told to, to the Jews, and even to David, because he's even shared this with me, that people would say that the Jews killed Jesus. And even on the belt buckles of the Nazi soldiers, it says, God is with us. So it, it's pretty mind-blowing that we can read in history how Christians pushed out the Jewish people. But God said, to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. Right. That's mm-hmm. where we as believers come in. Right. Yeah. So can you tell us the different names of the fall feasts and festivals and what each of them mean? So the different fall feasts and festivals are, um, or what we would call them as the Moed, which means the appointed time or seasons by God, or the Moedim, which are the seven appointed times or seasons by God, which include all seven feasts, both spring and fall. And then the fall feasts are the Feast of Trumpets, which is called Rosh Hashanah, uh, or um, Yam Haturura, which means a blast of a loud horn. And the Jewish people, um, this is known for, for the Jewish people. This is known as the head of the year, which is observed at as the start of the civil year, the civil calendar year, which contrasts with the religious year that starts just prior to Passover with the spring feasts on the Jewish calendar or God's calendar. 
The civil calendar was established during the Babylonian times to coincide with cultural celebrations not associated with God. Wow, that's interesting. So when you say the civil calendar, is that the same thing as the 12-month calendar that we use today? Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. You know, most people don't realize that we currently follow the Gregorian calendar as Christians instead of what the early church followed, which was the Hebrew calendar. I just want to read this excerpt from a a book called A Time to Advance by Chuck D. Pierce. Sure. The early Christian church raised up the apostles who walked with Jesus, followed the apostolic pattern Jesus demonstrated while he was on earth. The church grew and flourished with great power and signs and wonders operating in even greater measure than in Jesus' days on earth. In 300 AD, the Roman Emperor Constantine embraced Christianity superficially, but he mixed in the the pagan practices of secular society, the power of the Holy Spirit was quenched, and the operation of spiritual gifts and miracles seized. Eventually, this was what was led to the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You know, this gives us a lot of insight into how confusion has been brought into the church today. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's good. Messed us up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because when you think about what the cultures were like around us, right, or around them, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time, um, depending on what the cultures believed, you know, things like you know witchcraft and sorcery and mm-hmm. all of those other things were were offered, and so people would just go in those directions mm-hmm. and kind of stray away from what was true, you mix it in, with yeah, mix it in with what was true. Right. I had no idea too that like even the months that we you know we have January, February, March, those are all named after pagan gods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't even realize That's how inundated we've become with more of a pagan culture, a pagan society. And yet you know. nobody knows because nobody understands. Well, it's what we were raised stuff, in, right? you know. Um, it's just what we've been, we've known since birth. Right, right. So, I mean, to understand these things. You got to dig. Yeah, and it, it helps you to, I mean, honestly, I, I think it just gets you more into the alignment, the the. The mindset of God. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll right. talk about sure. that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. Let's get back to the fall feast. Go ahead. Okay. Robert. So um, we've got Rosh Hashanah or Feast of Trumpets, and that is the first day that leads into the 10 days of repentance, known as Yom Kippur or Day of Atonement, which is the last day of, of the 10 days. So imagine, you know, the, the trumpet um, was a signal for the field workers to come into the temple. The high priest actually stood at the southwestern uh, parapet of the temple and blew the trumpet or shofar so that it would be heard in the surrounding fields. At that instant, the faithful would stop harvesting even if there were more crops to bring in and leave immediately for the worship service. Oh. So you just think about like the the just the the understanding of the shofar and the power behind it like god has asked us to do this right mm-hmm, and right. it's for a mm-hmm. purpose it's not just for hey just blow this 
blow this thing. You yeah, know, it's not. You know, call the call the workers in so they can go to temple. You know, it's it, mm-hmm. it's not that. Right. Right? It's not so, the dinner bill. No, it's, it's not the, right. It's not the dinner bill. Right. Um, but if you look back in you know in the Old Testament with you know blowing the shofar, where in Jericho where the walls came down tumbling down mm-hmm. after the shofar, you know after wow. they followed what God asked them to do, yeah. they blew the shofar, the walls right. came tumbling down. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's for a purpose. There's power behind it. There's yes. power behind the vibration the of that sound waves, horn. frequency, the frequency, the sound. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you know, even the 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 battle of of um, Gideon, mm-hmm. where the trumpet was you know was blown, and they they fought against each other. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, they, until they were gone. It brought you know, confusion in the brought camp confusion and they killed each other off. They killed each other. So it's yep. for a purpose. Right. Like in Revelation, you know, the announcement of his second coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're all important reasons. It's, right. He's not just happenstance about this. It's, right. They're all mm-hmm. for a purpose. Right. Right. Oof. So, so um, good. So when you look back, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, prepare, it's time to prepare your heart, right, for, for what the, the next celebration is. Mm-hmm. But the Lord uses this image. Can you imagine the scene as a Jew and an Arab work side by side in the fields? And as they, they do even today, yeah. um, when the trumpet would be sounded, the Jew would leave immediately and the Arab, believing otherwise, would continue bringing in the crops. Thus the Lord stated, where there are two working in the field, I'll take one and leave the other. Wow. This would be taking, like, pretty much talking about the rapture and the right. blowing of the shofar or the trumpet, signifying to get ready and be prepared for the day of atonement. Mm. Wow. <sighs> so good. Mm-hmm. And then we have the day of atonement, mm-hmm. yes. which is the last day of the 10 days, right? So. Right. Yom Kippur, which is the day of confession, and it is where Israel, the Jewish people, were to individually afflict their souls and be conscious of their national sin as well as their personal sin. The high priest in Israel would enter into the fearsome Holy of Holies, where God himself himself dwelt, and would offer a sacrifice on his own behalf, and then a sacrifice on behalf of all the sins of all the Israelites." So in Leviticus twenty three twenty seven says, also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn time, right? Yeah. Um, and it's still treated as the highest of all the holy days. So could you imagine having to wait an entire year to confess your sins, to get things right, um, and having to do it through another person with no direct communication with Abba Father himself? Um, like, I'm so thankful that we have Jesus. I'm thankful for the sacrifice that he did for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus made everything personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He sure did. Yeah. Intimate. And God's plan for us has always been about our relationship with right. Him. Right. Right. So right. Relationship, relationship. Intimacy. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so we have then the Feast of Tabernacles, and this is the Lord's shelter. This is where a prophetic picture becomes much brighter with the happy celebration of the seventh feast. Now, God wanted to, cel- to celebrate that he provided shelter for the Israelites in the wilderness. In Leviticus 23, 34 
says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. And Leviticus 23, 42 through 43. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Prophetically, this shows the Lord's shelter in the world to come. This seventh feast was commemorated faithfully by Jesus throughout his life, except the final year of his life. Wow. So if you look at John 7, 1 through 52, and this is just a portion of it, my time has not yet come. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. Mm. Right. Wow. Mm. That's powerful because we know that's because he was crucified. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 He had exactly. to go through the crucifixion. He knew. Yeah. Exactly. Everything he did was to fulfill prophecy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he wasn't going to tabernacle again until he was resurrected. Right. Right. Wow. So, Rhonda, can you explain what tabernacle means? So tabernacle in, in Israel, they actually build these booths that, um, you know, they pretty much like have four legs and, and a roof, but no solid roof. And they will take, you know, like palm leaves and things like that and put them on the rooftops mm-hmm. so that they could still see out to the stars outside. And this is where they were to pretty much there they were retelling the stories of back in the Old Testament where they had to ta- they were tabernacled mm-hmm. in you know in the wilderness right. and wow. how Lord the Lord provided. Mm-hmm. And so they would have their families and they would dwell in these for 7 days mm. and just talk about how God was their provision for the 7 days. So if you you know you think about it, it's like they're retelling these stories yeah. over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. So the next generation will know that God is their provision mm-hmm. and has always been their provision. Right. So it's just wow. a really beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And it, because, you know, we've been to Israel, we've seen, you know, that area so cool. where, they, where they've built the, you know, the tabernacles for the families to go mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, so each year... On tabernacles, the fifteenth day of the of the seventh month, or the seventh full moon of the year, devout Jews build little shelters outside their homes and worship in them. Now, in Jerusalem, a municipal shelter is provided near the Jaffa Gate okay. for the whole city. Wow! Mm-hmm. And it's so super cool to see them and just hear the families in them. It's just, it's just, it's really cool. It's really cool to see that. Yeah. And you got to see that when you... And you went there during that time of the year? Yeah, so David and I have been, I think David has been six times and I've been four. Wow. And so each time it's just, it's just an amazing experience because you just, and it's different every time. Mm. It's the whole family thing. It's the whole just spending time and not having to worry about any of the drama going on in your life or just mm-hmm. all the the stuff that you have to deal with day to day. It's just a time of joy. Mm-hmm. And there's just something so different about Israel because um, I know for David, I remember him saying he felt like he was at home. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's like yeah. this feel this feels home. You mm-hmm. know, it feels like home. He could see other people in the streets that looked like him. Wow. Yeah, you know, we could see other women that looked like our daughter. Right. You know, and right. so it was just really cool to be around in that environment mm. to see that and just to literally feel like you were home. Like there was something. I remember like originally when we were first asked to just to go and I was so nervous. Mm. I was nervous because I was like, well, you know, they've got the guards and they've got all their guns and it's, you know, I keep hearing that it's not safe. Right. You know, all these things. And when we got off the plane, like literally like as your foot hits the ground, as your foot hits the ground. (laughs) Literally hit the ground. (laughs) Literally hit the ground. There's just such a peace. Like there's just such a peace and you do, you feel like you're at home. Mm. And, you know, when you think about being grafted in or whatever, right. we're still the same bloodline. Right. Right. Like right. So you're going to feel at home because it's his home. Yeah. It's the place where he is established. Yeah. That's so it's just so really cool. good. I, I would love to go. <laughs> same. I have to make it a, a family family all trip. <laughs> a family trip. A family yes. trip. <laughs> there you go. Did you take any photos or there's... Oh, we have tons of photos. You do. So. You better. Oh, yes. <laughs> tons yeah. of photos. Good memories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So can you tell us how long each of these feasts last? Sure. So um, the Feast of Trumpets is for one day. On some calendars, it may show as two days. And that's because, you know, they're trying to determine when, which day is the actual full moon. And then it would be an actual from sundown to sundown would be considered a day. Mm-hmm. That's how they. That's their their days are different than us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Starts at sundown. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then the um, Day of Atonement is the last day of the full ten days of uh, repentance. Um, and then wow. we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which lasts for seven days. Right. That's good. One whole week of partying. Well, I'm just curious. <laughs> this is just a question. Do you know? When, like, like, just say for the this year, twenty twenty two. When does it start? Do we know? Uh, September twenty sixth through the twenty seventh, or the twenty sixth through the twenty seventh. So twenty, depending yeah, on the depending on moon. the moon. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then it lasts for the all those ten days right. or whatever it is. Yes. All right. So Rosh Hashanah is also known as the Feast of Trumpets or the Head of the Year, right? Yes, correct. Okay, and Yom Kippur is the same as the Day of Atonement. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is also interesting to me and I want to learn more. <laughs> can you give a brief explanation of the spring feast versus the fall feast, Rhonda? I oh, can, yeah. yes. So we have Passover in the spring and that is Jesus was actually the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Well, Jesus was without sin and took the sins of the world. And so unleavened bread has no yeast, right. and yeast represented sin. It represented sin. That's right. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we have first fruits, and Jesus was the first fruit offering, who was risen from the dead to eternal life. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then we have Shavuot or Pentecost, which was the day that they received the Holy Spirit. Right. So um, back when Moses received the Ten Commandments by God on the stone tablets. It was actually the day of Pentecost, and the gift of Holy Spirit was also on the day of Pentecost. Mm. So there's no coincidence, right? Yeah. Right. So right. cool. It's no coincidence uh-huh. that God he's not a he's not a random God, but he's a precise God. Right. Yes. So why are the Jewish holidays or the feasts and festivals so important, or you know why are they why should they be important to Christians? 
That's good. I believe they should be important to Christians because I feel like it, you know, it gives us a full understanding of God's heart and desire for us. It's kind of like if I were to give you a thousand piece puzzle without the box of the quote unquote big picture on it, mm-hmm. it would be more difficult to put together. Right. Yeah. Right. But without when the we picture, have, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, not trying to find all the edges and right. then trying to figure out the middle. But, exactly. You know, to actually have. A guide. To, yes, a you guide, know? exactly. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, you know, as Christians, we can soak into the New Testament, but we're, we're, we aren't going to fully understand it unless we connect, you know, his moed or moedim together. Like, it connects all the dots from the Torah to the New Testament. That's good. Wow. So, these fees still apply today? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, there's just so many terms that I'm just... My mind is blown. So I know you talked about this earlier, but can you explain what the moed or the moedim is again? Yes. So um, the moed means appointed time or season, and the moedim means appointed times or seasons. Oh, my gosh. All right. And what's the Torah? So the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just blows my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. I got one more for you. And explain the Shabbat and what day of the week it's on. Okay. So um, Shabbat is a day of rest and traditionally celebrated on Friday at sundown. And it is, you know, it is, it is a commandment from the Lord. You know, He tells us to take a day of rest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so it's actually really beautiful to see, like when you're in Israel, when Shabbat hits, literally the, the town just shuts down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's really cool to walk down those streets and hear the families in their homes. Do they close up shops like nobody works? They co- Yeah, they close up shops. They're, they're occasional hit or miss. It's usually an Arab-owned restaurant that would be open uh-huh. or like okay. maybe a grocery store that would be open. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, everything is pretty much shut down. No cars, no... No cars, yeah. It's I just can't even imagine. Well, because that's an... That's not resting when you're driving your car, right? Yeah, and you know, and of course, you do see you do see the the legalistic side of it, mm-hmm. you know, too, like the you know the the Orthodox Jews, where if they were to go in an elevator on Shabbat, they actually have two elevators. There's a Shabbat elevator and there's a regular elevator. So and what's the regular difference? elevator will go to every floor. But a Shabbat, well, no, I'm sorry, a Shabbat elevator will go to every floor so they don't have to press the button or the floor. But then the regular regular elevator, you could pick what floor you want to start on. So what's funny is that what we noticed when we were there in Israel, and if it was already Shabbat, we would notice that if us Gentiles, or David being Jewish, we went into a regular elevator, Mm -hmm. that a person would come into the elevator with us and ask us to press a floor oh i see oh my god <laughs> wow and that would be the 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 religious side of right taking things literally so literally Realistic. every like even motion in the bathrooms like the toilet paper is already torn into squares so that they don't have to tear the squares oh my gosh yeah it's yeah it really, is really it is really legalistic yeah. it's yeah. very legalistic but the beauty of the families in their homes it, mm-hmm. it makes all that right. Yeah, right. comparison. Just if you just keep what God created and get rid of the man stuff, yeah. we're good. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. My goodness. So, what do you think, Grounded? Should we as Christians go back to following the Hebrew calendar and celebrate these feasts? 
I mean, I don't think that we, you know, I don't believe that we should be legalistic about them, but I do feel that it is important to dig and understand them and their connection to what God is saying and, you know, the meaning behind the things that we read in the Word today. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you think that the meaning of these feasts correlate to what's going on in our world today? Or, you know, there is there more of an, an urgent need to press into these feasts because of the state of our world today? Well, I would say yes and yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we know our God. Right. Um, but we also know that there is an enemy who's in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So we can... True. We can literally sit back and just let it happen, mm-hmm. or we can pay attention to the signs that he's put out right. there for us, right? Right. The signs and, and wonders, right? Yeah. The It's in the stars, you know, right. the, in the sun and the moon. He all put them in, the, put mm-hmm. them in there for a purpose. Right. Right? They're not just there to warm us, and they're mm-hmm. not just there to make sure that the ocean comes to the shore and then goes back right. away. Like, they're there for more, more of a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so... You know, we can we can sit back and sit on our hands and do nothing, or we can step into the authority that we've mm-hmm. been given. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is just so interesting to me. You know, I was reading this book that uh, Laura someone that referred it to us, and it was um, the one that I think Susan mentioned earlier, the one that she was reading from called "A Time to Advance: mm-hmm. Understanding the Significance of the Hebrew Tribes and Months." It was written by Chuck Pierce with Robert and Linda Heidler, and it's a great book. So one of the, uh, one of the first things I read was this, is how do we think like God thinks? It says that the original scripture was written in Hebrew, which is God's language. So God has a Hebrew mindset, meaning this is a biblical way of thinking. So understanding the Hebrew or biblical way of thinking moves us forward and prospers us as we align with kingdom purposes. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And also, I want to read this quote too. It says, um, when you learn to think like God, you prosper. Just so... Refreshing. Right. It seems simple, right? But we're up against our enemy, Satan, who comes after our thoughts because he doesn't want us to think like God, and he definitely doesn't want any of us to prosper. So the more we understand why these feasts are so important to God, the closer we are to knowing how He wants us to do things. Mm-hmm. Right. That awesome. Yeah, we we know all about traditional holidays, but we don't understand the appointed times of God and why they're so important. Right. Right. And I'm sure most people don't even realize that the Jewish calendar is different than the calendar, you know, we go by, like we talked before. Right. And God uses the times and seasons to help us fulfill what he has called us to do. Like in the book we were just talking about, it, it, they're, they're designed, these seasons are designed to create a rhythm in our lives, and they align our lives with God's timing and help us to be in sync with the Spirit of God. So we are at the right place and at the right time. Right. And many don't even experience God's blessings because they miss their windows of opportunity. But if we align our lives with God's timing, we don't miss those opportunities God has for us. That's good. That's right. Yeah. God wants us to experience His goodness, and that's, that is what happens when we celebrate in these feasts. God designed them so He could bless us, so it's important to learn and understand them. Yeah, you know, I've always been curious about Jewish traditions, but it was confusing to me. I didn't understand it, so right. I never tried to learn any of it. Mm-hmm. But now, I would say over the past few months or so, I've had such a burning desire to know and understand it. So I'm, I'm getting that download. I, I know God's preparing me for it. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to say our God is a God of order. And he instructed us on how to do these things the right way many years ago. Mm-hmm. And he even, he even explained why these feasts are important. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's such a blessing in knowing and understanding God's language, a Hebrew mindset or a biblical way of thinking. 
And I know we didn't cover everything about the fall feast and festivals today. It, it's deep. It's beautiful. And um, we just wanted to give you a summary of it and hopefully plant a seed that will get you get your mind thinking that there's so much more to our God than, than we could possibly know. Mm-hmm. His ways are better than our ways, right? Right. And we encourage you to dig deeper in the things of God. There's always treasure treasure when you search out these things. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rhonda. Uh, we thank you for being our guest today. We would love for you to come back as our guest next spring to help us better understand the spring feast. And we'd also love it if your husband, David, could join us to give his testimony. And I know it would touch so many people. Mm-hmm. Oh, we would love that. Yeah. That's for sure. Awesome. All right. In our next episode, we will be talking about a kingdom mindset versus a religious mindset. Be good. Yeah. And we just want to close with this scripture. It's from Leviticus 23, 1 through 2. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. That's good. All right. Today's episode was, again, edited by the wonderful Caitlin Beck. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Caitlin. We appreciate all you do for us. And we want to give a couple, a couple of references. We mentioned A Time to Advance by Chuck Pierce and Robert and Linda Heidler. And a couple that Rhonda used is The Feast of the Bible. Um, also, some books and website. Uh, one of the books that she wants to reference is The Feast of the Lord by Kevin Howard, I believe that is, uh, and Martin Rosenthal. And then there's the Seven Feasts of Israel by Zola Levitt. And then a couple of websites for you, oneforisrael.org. That's one, O-N-E, for Israel.org. And then Bible.org. Very good. Thank you for those resources. Mm-hmm. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that can, God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening today and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. We'd love to hear from you. And so please, you can email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. Awesome. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. And mine is chosentowrite.com. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may His face shine upon you and give you His peace. Awesome. Until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. 
Electric Acid. Transform your influence. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.